This morning's reading is uh, in the Blue Church Bibles, if you're following along there, on page 965, and on the screen behind me, it's Matthew 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this chance that we have to gather together in the name of your son to hear of his birth and what he came to do. We pray that uh, even this day amidst all the distractions and the good things to look forward to, that you might enable us to be reminded uh, of how good and wonderful you are, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please grab a seat. 
Uh, let me have my welcome to that of Andrew's before. My name is Jeffrey Lynn. I'm actually not a member of this congregation. Uh, I'm a member of one of the other Trinity churches down in the city, uh, but I'm here this morning in particular to open God's Word with you. Many of you I know, sorry, as regular members of this church, but if you're a visitor here today, particularly if you're here with family, it's great to have you join us on this wonderful day together. Um, I thought actually the most useful thing that I could do at this point is ask you to put your hand together for Karen, who read the Bible for us. That's entirely my fault as to why she got that passage, and I'm sure she won't thank me for that afterwards. Uh, The reason why I asked for that passage to be read is that my guess is that for most of us, we're pretty familiar with the Christmas story. Uh, We're familiar with the angels, the shepherds, the nativity scene, the baby Jesus. Um, So what I thought I'd do for us this year is ask us to start where Matthew begins his biography of Jesus of Nazareth. So, Because what Matthew tries to do is that he asks us to look at the nativity scene through the eyes of the baby's stepfather, through the eyes of Joseph. Uh, and so, for something just a little bit different this morning, I'm going to give this whole talk from Joseph's perspective. Um, now, that will require a bit of imagination for you. Obviously, I'm not a first century Jewish carpenter, um, but hopefully you can use your imagination you can perhaps reflect on what Joseph was thinking and more importantly, see how, like Joseph, all of us have a choice to make. All of us have a decision to make about this baby who was born on this day. Okay, so here goes. Shalom. My name is Joseph Ben Jacob. I don't know what your year has been like, but mine has been pretty eventful, to say the least. I thought I'd tell you a bit about it today. I mean, of course, we know that we live in interesting times, to say the least. Uh, Our new ruler is a grossly narcissistic, paranoid extremist. He bullies everyone. He ridicules people with different points of view. His name, I bet you can't trump this, is Herod. And earlier this year, Caesar Augustus caused global migration chaos when he ordered every single person in the empire to go back where they belong, back to their country of origin. We live in interesting times, but, um, well, that ought to have been bearable because, at least for me, the carpentry business is going pretty well. Uh, And especially it's been a good year because, well, I got engaged to the wonderful Mary. And you'd think that at last that would have got my mother off my back. She's always been pestering me to settle down with a nice Jewish girl and give her grandkids. I must say that uh, the thought of parenting does terrify me. Uh, I know what I was like as a child. But the idea of having a son whom I can teach the family business the way my dad taught me that sounds pretty good. All was going well until suddenly a few months ago, uh, with wedding preparations in full swing, and my guess is some of you know what that's about, Mary said to me, Joseph, honey, sit down, we need to talk. And from the look in her eyes, I thought, oh no, we have to invite more guests. (laughs) But instead, what she said, calmly as anything, as if it was the most normal thing in the world, I'm pregnant. 
I won't repeat what I said at that point because I'm ashamed to say that I did lose it a bit. The gist of it was that I know that I'm not the father because we'd agreed that we would save ourselves until we were married. But here's where things got really strange because when I asked Mary in what at least to my mind was a pretty reasonable tone of voice, so who's the father? Mary said, I don't know. And whilst I was struggling to keep it all together, she said, I don't know because I'm still a virgin. Now, here's the thing, right? I'm a pretty simple bloke. My parents taught me to work hard, to keep your head down, avoid the Romans, stay out of trouble, and everything will be okay. I'm not a fancy pants scholar like those rabbis or those Pharisees. But even I know that for my pregnant fiancé to claim that she's a virgin, well, I'm no fool. Obviously, she's lying about something. Either she's not pregnant, although why in the world you'd make that up, or for some reason entirely unknown to me, she's protecting the identity of the father. So here's my question for you today. What would you have done? Well, before you answer, let me tell you what I did next. I figured I'd quietly call off the engagement uh, rather than humiliate her in public. Uh, If I'm being brutally honest, that's partly for self-protection. Mary's pregnancy hardly portrays me in the best light. A cuckolded by another bloke is not the kind of thing you put as your Facebook status. I'm the guy whose fiancé ran off at the altar. And to give credit where credit's due, Mary did choose to tell me now rather than trying to cover it up until after the wedding, at which point it would have been harder to walk away. But I know that actually trashing her reputation isn't going to restore mine. Deep down, more than angry actually, I feel sorry for her because her life is pretty much ruined. Clearly the father is not around. Whereas one day at least, I'll be able to move on and just put it all behind me. And at the end of the day, well, I know that I'm a sinner like Mary, like us all. It's just that my sins aren't quite as public as hers and they don't have the same devastating consequences. When I was growing up in our family, we had two sayings that were drummed into us over and over again. Do to others as you would have them do to you, and let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. So because one day I know that I'll need grace and mercy to be shown to me, perhaps I could show it to her. Well, once again, what would you have done? I decided that I'd call it off quietly, but here's where things got even weirder, if that were possible. Now, I don't know if I mentioned, I was pretty stressed. I was pretty stressed at this point. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't sleeping well. Until one day, I had a dream that was so real and vivid that even now, I can remember every detail. In fact, I don't think I'll forget till the day I die. See, because in my dream, an angel appeared and told me, Joseph, don't be afraid. Now, Quick show of hands, 
Anyone here ever seen an angel? No, didn't think so, right? I know lots of people talk about wanting an encounter with the supernatural, about wanting to be touched by an angel. (coughs) But let me speak from experience. Be very careful about what you wish for. Because the angel that appeared to me, it wasn't some kind of cute, cuddly figure, you know, with a white sheet, a smiley, happy face, dopey blue eyes. The angel I saw was awesome. It was brilliant and out of this world. It was as if it was radiating pure energy. My head felt like it was about to explode. And so when this angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid, I thought, that's good in theory, not very easy in practice. But before I could even begin to process what was taking place, uh, what he said next, actually I don't even know if it was a he, what it said next didn't help me much. You see, the angel said, in a rather matter-of-fact tone of voice, that Mary's baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Oh, of course, that makes perfect sense. Of course, it didn't at all. Now, let me say, like every good Jew, I know that the Scriptures tell us that it's God's Spirit that gives us life. Uh, He was there at the creation of the world. He was the one who breathed life into us at birth. But, I've got to say this, and uh, I'm sorry if this sounds just a little bit crude to you fine, upstanding people, I have never, ever heard of the Holy Spirit running around impregnating virgins. The mechanics are, well, there's an image you just don't even want to think about. But before I even got a chance to point this out to the angel, it said you are to call the baby Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And before I had a chance even to respond to that, well, I woke up. Now, when I say woke up, uh, I don't know if you've had this experience. I, I didn't just woke up. I sat up like I'd been electrocuted, you know, sweating uncontrollably, gasping for air, the most unbelievable headache. So what would you have done? Well, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't go back to sleep. I lay awake in bed for hours heart pounding, mind racing, desperately trying to make sense of all that had just taken place, tossing and turning in the darkness, until suddenly, just before dawn, I had a flashback. I had a flashback to all those years where mum and dad dragged me to the synagogue and I got dumped in Sabbath school classes, you know, doing endless craft, singing really daggy Jewish songs. And these words came to me. Have a look on the screen from Isaiah 7. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, my guess is that our teachers kept banging on about Isaiah 7 year after year because it was making such incredible promises of hope, promises that we Jews have been waiting over 700 years to be fulfilled. Now, of course, back in Sunday, in Sabbath school, we, um, well, we 
prepubescent teenage boys didn't quite see it that way. We took great delight in tormenting our leaders with questions like, how exactly does a virgin conceive? But as I pondered the verse for the first time as an adult, not as a child, it occurred to me that if this is what was happening to my fiance, if she were still a virgin, if her baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit, it meant her child would be both human and God's son. Which is why, of course, our child will be called Emmanuel, God with us. You see, whatever the mechanics of the baby's conception, this child would be God with us. Not just near us or around us, but actually one of us. And so like us in every way except without sin, because he is God as well. And all that would mean is that he could be for us, because he gets us and he understands us. And he has experienced life in this crazy, mixed-up world that's one day full of wonder and the next utterly bewildering. And then I remembered another passage from Isaiah. Again, praise God for those Sabbath school teachers who bribed us with lollies for years to memorize Scripture. On screen, from Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born... To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And at this point, I think I finally got it. Mary's boy, child, Christ Jesus, he would not just have extraordinary beginnings, born to a virgin. He was destined for untold greatness. And look at those four names there. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His kingdom and his rule will last forever. And the guarantee, the guarantee that all this will take place is that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. Isaiah was saying that whether or not I want this, whether or not I believe this, whether or not I'm ready for it, it is going to happen. And I couldn't help but think, It'd be so much better to be on board with this God who does all this for us than to ignore him, let alone ever stand against him. So what would you have done? Well, I've kept you waiting long enough. Uh, Here's what I did, although you've probably worked it out by now. I did everything the angel told me to do. I went ahead. I married Mary, she gave birth to a son, and we named him Jesus. 
And that means that as I look back on the year gone by, it seems to me that I've actually managed to accomplish two pretty important things this year. The first is that by marrying Mary, her baby gains royal lineage. Her baby gains royal lineage. Have a look on the screen behind me. See, in my dream, the angel, you might have recalled, it addressed me as Joseph, son of David, not Joseph, son of Jacob. Now, I haven't mentioned this so far, but um, actually, I have royal blood. Uh, To be fair, it's a long way back, and like most royals, my family history is pretty sordid. These days, I'm just a carpenter. I don't have many worldly possessions I can hand on to my child. But I can give him my name. And since Isaiah 9 said that the virgin's child will reign on David's throne, then by taking Mary as my wife, her son, my stepson, is adopted into the great house of of King David. Her baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and so is God's son. That's why he's called Emmanuel, but he is also son of David, which means he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Here's the second thing that I managed to accomplish this year. Uh, By naming our son Jesus, we're announcing to the whole world what he's going to do. Now, all of us know, of course, that parents wield enormous power when naming their children. School playgrounds are tough enough these days without a dodgy name. At the moment, it seems like everyone is going either for the standard names, you know, the the keep the old, happy, traditional Jewish names like Solomon or Levi, or else they go into the opposite extreme with ultra-modern names like Apple or Forge. I was actually quite partial to Jeffrey. But by naming him Jesus, we've chosen a name with incredible significance. You see, every Jew knows that Jesus is just Greek for Joshua. And Joshua, or Joshua, means God's salvation. Because Joshua led us into the promised land 2,000 years ago, and he delivered us from some pretty fierce enemies. But this new Joshua, he'll save us not from our hated Roman overlords. He'll save us from something far more serious, something far more personal. He will save us from our sins. He will reconcile us to God himself. Because this baby was born for our salvation. He was born to bring joy to this world. Uh, All of which actually sounded pretty good. It sounded pretty good until the other day when, finally, I had a quiet time. Uh, The last few months have been an endless cycle of feeds, nappy changes and sleepless nights, so there hasn't been much time for daily devotions. But I found myself in Isaiah. I don't know if you've worked out, Isaiah is my favourite scroll in the Bible now. I came across Isaiah chapter 53 on the screen one last time. 
But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. For the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's a funny thing, you know. Our little baby boy Jesus is, and this is objectively true, is the cutest, most handsome, and most perfect child ever born. Have a look at the slide behind me. (laughs) So far, it's actually gone pretty well. So far, it's all gone pretty well. Uh, Mary, well, she's been welcomed into her mother's group. There was no mention of words like shotgun baby. But Isaiah 53 says that our precious baby boy was born to die because to save us from our sins, he'll have to take those sins himself. He'll have to bear the punishment due to us because our God is pure and perfect and he wants his world to be pure and perfect too. And at the moment... The problem is you and me. We are the contaminant, the contagion that ruins everything. And that truly breaks my heart. Because as a parent, you long for your kids to have a better life than you did, to be better than you were. Yes, save us from our sins sounds like a pretty awesome life goal and narrative. But does it have to be through his death? It's wonderful that our son, this Davidic king, will have a glorious reign, but it will come through crucifixion. His coronation, in fact, will be his death. And so some days I find myself praying, Lord, isn't there another way? And even though I've seen some amazing things this year, I keep praying, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Because living by faith, even if wonderful, is never entirely straightforward. Well, what would you have done? Well, my dilemma with my pregnant virgin fiancé isn't your dilemma. And I've told you what I did. But this Jesus grows up to do exactly what God says he'll do. And not one of his promises have ever failed. And that means that more important than asking what would you have done if you'd been there is to ask what are you going to do now? Because my decision has been made. But yours is still before you. I don't think you can afford to just ignore Jesus, to pretend he's irrelevant, to say, I'm too busy at the moment, I'll get back to that later. Because if God has done this much, if he's come into our world, born of a virgin, if Jesus lives up even to a fraction of what was prophesied about him, surely we must consider him carefully. And to put it slightly differently, given what he has done for us, what he has gone through to save us from our sins, 
why wouldn't you want to find out more about him? Why wouldn't you live for him, follow him, serve him? Heed the invitation to come, let us adore him, for he is Christ the Lord. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the promises of yours that have never failed. We ask that at this time of year, as we reflect on one gone by and look forward to another one ahead, that you might give us courage and conviction to see Jesus for who he is. He is the Lord. Amen.